Thanks, Damien. I'll try not to have a crack at the oldies. <laughs> All right. I've got a PowerPoint as well. So we've been talking about in the company of some, in the company of God. And when I think of company of something, I think of being together with some someone or something or in a group. Um, I automatically think of a group of animals or um, like a dance company or I remember going and seeing the Russian ballet company. That's a company. It's a group of people who have a, a goal to achieve the same thing. When you think of animals, you think, you know, there's social butterflies and there's solitary scavengers. Virtually all animals will gather together in a group at some point in their life. One reason is safety in numbers since a pack of prey is less vulnerable than one by itself. But many animals also rely on collective wisdom in a group to help them make better decisions. Some even blur the line between individual and group, while others limit their social time to only specific occasions. When you think of groups, they come with all different kinds of funny names. Even Jesus talked in the Bible about feeding my flock, meaning people. So I'm going to test you this morning with just a few animals and see if you can tell me the name of the group or what the group is commonly known as. Owls. Does anyone know what a group of owls is? A parliament. Very good. Elephants. Elephants. No. A parade. It's called a parade of elephants. Uh, Goats. It's actually a tribe. It's actually a tribe of goats or a trip of goats. Um, Lemurs. Does anyone know what lemurs are known as? They're actually known as a conspiracy. So that's a conspiracy of lemurs. Um, We've got monkeys. Anyone know that one? No? A troop. A troop of monkeys. Um, Porcupines. A group of porcupines are known as? It could be fairly obvious by looking at their spikes. A prickle. It's a prickle of porcupines. Um, Kangaroos. A mob or a troop. Sparrows, <laughs> a host. There are a host of sparrows. Cobras. How does it make you feel when you look at them? It's a bit like a slither, but it's a quiver. So it's a quiver of cobras. Sharks. Similar thing. The way it makes you feel. A shiver. It's a shiver of sharks. Scary, yes. <laughs> Jellyfish. No? A flubber. A flubber of bloom or a smack of jellyfish. And the last one, peacocks. <laughs> it's an ostentation. So a group of peacocks, an ostentation of peacocks. But it's not only animals and birds. There are a lot of words even for a group of people. Bunch, a gang, a mob, a crew, 
a bevy, a lot, a shower, a gaggle. They're all different words that used to describe a group of people. This year we've been looking at following Christ and keeping company with God. So what does it mean to be in the company of someone? We are social creatures as humans. To be in the company of someone means to be together with another person or another group. Wherever we go, wherever we are, we are in the company of people. Sometimes they're right in our face and a bit too close for comfort. Sometimes we hear them, sometimes we see them, sometimes we neither see nor hear them but we know that they're there. Sometimes we feel alone or in the company of no one, yet we know that all around us there's people, there's neighbours living in the house next door. When you're shopping, you feel as though you know no one, but you know that you're actually in the company of a lot of other people minding their own business. And when we look at keeping company with Christ, I think of being in a group, surrounded by others. And when you're in a group, you have a role, you have a purpose, you have a position, and the group works well when everyone puts in to achieve a common goal. I think of my work. I'm a clinical nurse at the Royal Adelaide Hospital. Quite often I'm coordinating the shift, which means I don't have a patient load. So I direct who will work with who, according to which patients, according to their abilities and skills. I'll then check on and document all the patients who are particularly unwell or who have issues. I check their charts, I put them on an alert list for the managers. I then walk around with the doctors, I listen to what they say, I hear what they order, I then regroup with my staff and hand over what the doctors ordered. I get patients ready to go home, order medications, connect them with services, strip off the rooms, help clean them when they're finished. I arrange to bring the next lot of patients up from emergency or intensive care unit. I take the handover. All the while I listen to my staff and listen to the patients and make sure everything's running smoothly. When I'm on, I know exactly which patient's deteriorating, I know which one's doing well, I know which one's ready to go home, I know which staff have had their break. I help them out if it gets busy. I'll give medications, help get people out of bed, help make the beds. I get other people to help. Because at the end of the day, it's not about me going and doing my work and going home. It's about all of us together getting our work done and going home together. I say every shift to my staff, we're all in this together. It's not yours and mine. Let's just get through together and we'll all go together. And I never leave until all of my staff are ready to go. We keep company with each other and we achieve a common goal. And this is what keeping company with God reminds me of. It reminds me of living in sync with God, living in the midst of people to help you grow, people who know your strengths, who know your weaknesses, people that understand that sometimes these same people can make you laugh or cry, you confess fears to them, you share your weaknesses with them. And when we live in sync with God, we, we realise that when we're in Christ, although we are many, we form one body and each member belongs to the others. Now, to live in sync or in company with God, there are several things we have to do. The first is to look up. We need to look up and see how wonderful God is. Romans 1.18 says, I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. He's mighty, he's glorious and he's holy. So we need to look up and realise that. 
The second thing is to look around, look wider than ourselves, see the injustice that happens in the world. And the things we see should make our heart break. We should begin to say, send me, God. Let me do something. The Bible tells us in Psalms 14, the Lord looks down from heaven on all of mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God, for God is present in the company of the righteous. Another thing we need to do is look well. Bring health and wellness into what is unhealthy. Restore strength and wellness into situations without it. Do the right thing. See the lonely in need of a family. See captives in need of rescue. The marginalised in need of a hand to lift them up. Another thing we need to do is to look ahead. We need to use foresight. Look at our present choices and see how they might be affecting our future. Remember that where we are now does not have to be the point where we end up. Proverbs 29 verse 18 tells us where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. And and the last thing is to tell the truth. Allow God to speak his wonder deep within us. John 4.23 says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. Now we know throughout the Bible that Jesus loves everyone. But even Jesus had people he loved to be around and people he avoided. He, after all, was human for a time, just like us. And when we look in the Bible, we realise that there were certain types of people and groups of people that spent time with and kept company with Jesus. And as much as people refuse to believe it, the company you keep does have an impact and influence on your choices. It says in Proverbs 13, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. And in 1 Corinthians 15, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. When we think of who Jesus spent time with, there are a few different distinct groups of people. He spent time with those who needed him, the needy, the shepherd, the sheep without a shepherd, the poor, the outcast, the isolated. He spent time with those who valued what he could offer. It wasn't like people hung out with him hoping that like the Ellen show, they would win a car if they showed up that day. It wasn't like that. They valued what he could offer, healing, wisdom, salvation, the things that matter. Psalms 1 tells us that blessed is the one who does not walk in step step with the wicked or stand in a way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and meditates on his Lord day and night. We need to value what God can offer us. He spent time with those who wanted to learn from him. You see, the disciples followed Jesus for several years and in John 16 it tells us that Jesus taught them as much as they could learn. We must form an attitude that wants to learn as much as we can from Jesus. He spent time with those who wanted to bless him. In Luke 8 um, we read that as Jesus travelled around with his ministry, travelling all different places, there was people who travelled along with him, not his disciples but other people, And they provided and supported for him from their own means. They cooked and perhaps did the washing and that kind of thing. They wanted to bless him. 
And another group was those who at least a little bit understood him, his friends, like Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He felt at home with them. Whenever this phrase of keeping company with comes up, I don't know why, but I keep getting this picture of animals. I think about every group of animals, it survives in a, in a group with each other. Humans are the same, but as technology goes on, we, we are starting to become more independent and isolated. We have this independent sense of self where we don't need anybody to do anything. We can get our shopping delivered. We don't have to talk to anybody. You can go through a whole day or weeks without even speaking to another person, yet have everything at your fingertips. We have this... We're developing this isolated sense of self. And a picture that gives me clarity of how a group works effectively in the company of each other is a picture of a group of lions. In a pride of lions, you have the alpha male lion. There's the lionesses, and then there's the young lions and lionesses and the cubs. And within the pride, each lion has their own role and their own contributions. The lion's known as the alpha male or the king, and he often offers protection to the group. But the real strength comes from within the group, through the lionesses. And this strength is only there when they work together. You see, lionesses are not that strong on their own, but what they lack for in strength, they make up for in heart and strategy. The lionesses, they're loosely loosely related. They're acquainted with each other's strengths and weaknesses. And when they hunt for food, they do it together. When they hunt, they leave a few lionesses in charge of all the cubs, and then a group of them go off to hunt. Together they make a kill, but they also share it together. They bring it back and they let the whole pride of lions eat it together. Did you know that while a lion, a male lion can roar very loud, a lioness cannot roar to the same strength. She cannot roar loud enough to protect her cubs. But where as little as three lionesses are together and roar, that roar alone can scare off a male from another pride of lions. See, from the outside you see a lioness, they look wild, they look big, they look scary. With one paw and their huge claws, they can kill an animal, they can defend their young. But in the company of their pride, that kill becomes nourishment and feeds the members of their pride. When those claws are retracted, That same poor teaches the young and plays with them. It trains them to be mighty. With the sharp teeth, she can rip apart the animal. Yet in the company of her pride, she can pick up her young without hurting them and move them to a place of safety. And to me, this is a wonderful picture of what it's like to be in the company of something. These lions know that individually they have limits, but together they are safe. They're protected. Their children are looked after. They're all well fed. They're trained up and they're safe. And as we begin to understand who God is and we walk in the company of God, we begin to see those same traits, feeding and nourishing others, gently training them to be mighty, carrying others through danger without hurting them. 
Jesus tells us in Matthew 11, Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. When you keep company with God, you allow the Holy Spirit to assess your strength in God's light. It allows our hardships to be used as a training session. It allows God's word to train and develop the weak or injured areas of our life. Keeping company with God shifts our focus from how we look in the way we dress to how we look in our spirit. Keeping company with God stops us from fearing our strengths but allows us to glorify God with our strengths. God calls us to display his wonder in how we portray our life. You see, these verses in Matthew say, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I don't know about you, but I would love to live a bit more free and a bit more light. Jesus offers us better. He tells us, keep company with me. You'll find a better way. Don't worry about those around you. Turn your attention back to me. And he gives us a picture of how we can do it in the verses. Watch me, he said. Jesus went through life attentive to the work that the Father asked him to do. He didn't jump through hoops or try and impress people. He just—he was clear on his mission and he did what he set out to do. He set the perfect example for us of how to do life. God created work for Jesus and he kept his attention on the work the work that was purposed for his hands. We understand God's grace. God reminds us that the work we do does matter to him. He gives us confident assurance that God is pleased with us. Grace reminds us that nothing can separate us from God's love. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace it says in these verses. And keep company with him. Jesus reminds us of the importance of keeping company with the Father. Stepping away for a quiet prayer or a conversation with him. Identifying the things that are of most importance. Don't rush ahead thinking that you're in control because if you're not careful, you leave God at the side as you keep company with yourself. When we follow these simple things in the verses, we follow Christ's example. We learn how to live freely and lightly in the company of God, in sync with God. The Bible reminds us in Romans 9, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise, which means even though we may not be physical descendants of God, we are allowed to keep company with God. You don't have to prove yourself with money or power or a family line. It's just a willingness to keep company with God and to learn from him. Romans 9.16 says, It does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. God loves you. All you need to do to keep company with God is to make a choice to accept his mercy and begin to live a life in sync with him. C.S. Lewis once said, the enemy will not see you vanish into God's company without an effort to reclaim you. 
It's not easy to turn your life from selfish motivations to a life living in sync with God. But if you're willing to try, God will come alongside of you and others will come alongside of you to help protect you and train you and help you. And like I mentioned with the lions, maybe you need to live a bit more like a lion or a lioness. Maybe you need to understand again that you're not designed to live in isolation, but together in a group. In a group of Christians, perhaps, like in a church, where we all have our role, we all have our place, where individually we cannot roar loud enough to scare away a lion, but where two or three are gathered, we can make the enemy flee. Where together we raise our young and teach them the things of God. Where together we provide food, not saying, this is mine, but by those who are able to get food and together eating it. And this is what God wants us to realise. Keeping company with God means to live and breathe the goodness of God, to live a life in sync with God and each other, to understand each person's role, to be acquainted with each other's strengths and weaknesses. When we don't feel strong, we can make up with strategy and heart each other to feel strong. When we say, I can't feed 100 people every week myself, but I know that as a group we can feed 100 people every week. Together we pull together resources and people who have a heart to help and we do feed them and bless them and welcome them into our group because they also, like each one of us, have something to offer to us and together when we're in the company of Christ, we can achieve a common goal.